Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. The reason I started this three weeks ago, and several of you send me texts and messages, is because I felt in my heart I can no longer be silent watching certain people we love make compromises in their lives and drift away. And I think we have a responsibility as a church. If we are seeing someone drift away slowly, don't be silent just because you fear what they're going to say back to you. And, and so here's just a little recap. Everybody say recap. Recap of about two Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, and the Sunday before, we were all on our RCC cruise. We were suffering for Jesus. And, and I heard, PK, you did a great job, man. There's about 40 people here, but you, you just, you preached it up. <laughs> It didn't come out right. I mean, you know what I mean. So he, <laughs> come on, help me out, Harvest. You got to lower it. All right, this is, a, this is a review, okay? Hebrews, watch this, get your Bibles. Hebrews 2, verse 1, in the, in the Passion Translation. Oh, I love the Passion Translation. It is, it's like, take, the, take that dagger out of my heart. If you don't have the Passion Translation, I, 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 I highly I highly recommend you download the Passion Translation. It, right now, it's only available in the New Testament, uh, not in the Old, but it's powerful. Now, this is review, okay? But I have to review in order to set you up for this. Now, you say, Pastor George, why are you doing this in Christmas time? Because if the, I believe that at any time of the year when people let their guards down their most is in the month of December. It really is. It's this holiday season where you just come and you relax and you know what, let's not do this today. Oh, no, let's not do that today. And little, little slumber comes and then little compromise comes. Now, I'm going to show a review so that you can be caught up on, on the powerful. I mean, three weeks ago we had, um, I don't know if he's here or not, but there was a, a young man that came and I knew the Lord told me hardly anybody's going to answer the altar call. But the Lord told me to do an old-fashioned altar call three weeks ago. And he said, call the backsliders. Now, of course, when I say RCC, any backsliders coming, you know, no one's going, oh, I don't know backslider. I ain't backslider. I'm doing good. And there was just a, 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 a one young man that came, and there was just weeping under the conviction of the, of the Holy Spirit. It was so beautiful. His life totally changed, totally changed. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, listen, watch, everybody listen. This is why it's so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truth that we have heard, to the truths that we have heard, to the truths we have heard. That means, that means at some point in our life, we had truth imputed into our spirit and our mind that make, make us strong, right? So that you do not, come on, everybody shout with me. Drift off course. It's, it's very important. The, the writer of Hebrews says that it's so crucial that we be engaged and attentive. You know what attentive and engaged means? This is all review. It means to be addicted to. I, I haven't even, it's not even been five minutes and I'm preaching really good. It says, look, it says it's crucial that we be more engaged and attentive. In, in the Greek, the word he, the word engage and attentive means to be addicted to truth. We got to be addicted to truth so much so, so that we won't drift away. Now watch. And if you remember, I showed a video. How many were here three weeks ago? I showed a video of a family and a drift current. Now here's the definition of drifting. 
the definition of drifting is a slow, gradual uh, getting away from principles that you've established. A slow. It's not fast. It's slow. And I put up a video that was very shocking to many of you. It was a real-life video, YouTube, of a father and two girls. Again, this is a review. And they were just having fun in the ocean. They had no clue that there was a strong undercurrent that was drifting them away. Do you know that little compromises in our lives, we have no clue because we're, that's a deceptive part about compromise, is that we're still doing probably 90% of the things good. And so this is that 10% that we kind of keep compromising in, but we justify our compromise because we're doing good in so many other areas. And before, in this video, before they knew it, they were like, they couldn't get back, and they were getting nervous, and they were getting scared. If you remember that, you guys were gripped. And if it was not for a surfer that, ha- that went by, this was a true life. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, re- reinvented or remade. It was actually live that the guy who had his GoPro thing, uh, camera, and the guy was swimming with all his might, a grown man, and he couldn't get back to shore. Because the drift, the, watch this, the current had already been so strong that it was, it was pulling him to the deep end. Compromise will slowly drift you to where the sharks are at. You know, when you're in the shallow water, you're safe because uh, no whales will come. (laughs) Mostly no sharks will come in that very shallow water. But the deeper you get in the ocean, the more dangerous it gets. All right? And so what happens is, uh, now I'm fast-forwarding it to, to right now. And they, they were so scared that their life almost was taken away. But here's the point that I'm going to make to start this message. They did not know how they got there. See, what happens with compromise is all of a sudden you compromise once. And then you do good. You compromise again. Then you do good. But it's just that one. I'm harping on one because you're going to hear and see why. Say one. And you, you, they harp on that, and all of a sudden they did not know that that one little thing had drifted them way off course. It is more crucial to be engaged to the truths we have heard so that we don't drift off course. And if we could be honest with ourselves, listen, this, I would not be a good shepherd if I only told you the blessings of the Lord to give you houses and cars and boats and, and money. I also have to preach the other side. We need balanced preaching that will tell you, yes, God wants to bless you and give you favor, but also warn you about things that we may be ignorant to. That's true love. That's true love, okay? Because none of you that have kids will watch your kid, knowingly watch your kid, go to a stove that is blazing hot and say, watch, watch, watch this. <laughs> They're going to touch that pile. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> you guys, yeah. What kind of parent are you? You're going to say, hey, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Watch, watch this. But when we do that with our kids, it's normal. But when we do that as a church, they're judging me. They're judging me in this church. No, I'm trying to tell you not to get to the pot because you're about to hit the pot. You got to burn yourself. And I'm telling you, stop going that way. So so compromise by definition. Watch this, guys. This is powerful because you're going to get something this morning that I've never saw because I'm going to read something from the classic amplified version that I was like, wow. The enemy 
only wants one moment. He doesn't want you to give up everything all that one time. Those of you that are strong in the Lord, the way that he gets us is he convinces you, just give up just one. I say, just one. I mean, you don't have to, I'm not telling you to give up all righteous living. I'm not trying to tell you to, to stop speaking, speaking in tongues. I'm not trying to tell you to stop going to church. I'm just, I'm just telling you this one, one moment. It's five minutes, one moment. You can repent later. God, God is merciful. He know, you know the word. He's merciful. Now, watch. By definition, compromise, by definition, Webster Dictionary, is small concessions made one at a time. But the trick is that one small concession opens the door to a massive addictive nature of that one, of that one compromise. Now, you got to identify what is our compromise. We've all battled with compromise. The thing about it is not to be like this one perfect dude, you know, or dudette uh, with, with that, that, doesn't, uh, have, that doesn't have feel the sting of compromise. But when you have that compromise in your life, don't keep justifying it. Watch this. Because of all the other good things that you're doing. That's what compromise does. Anybody who's ever compromised just a little bit and feels that conviction later will kind of justify it to do it again because of the fact that, you know what, God understands my heart. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. But just once. Everybody say just once. I looked up the definition. Now, three weeks ago, I gave you the definition of drift, but I never gave you the definition of compromise. So I'm going to give you the definition this morning of compromise, all right? The word compromise according to Webster Dictionary, and I'm reading it from the Webster Dictionary. The, oh, man, I'm going to shout this morning. The blend, compromise. Are you ready? You ain't ready for me this morning. <laughs> All right. Someone's like, I am. By definition, compromise is the blending of qualities of two different diverse things. The blending of qualities that are different, that are opposite, that are diverse, and they blend together. Right? Now, now, here's the end of that, of that definition. A weakening of established principles. A weakening of established principles. So, so by definition, each time we make just one small concession intentionally because we want to, because it gratifies us, because it's not a big deal anymore. I want to ask you something. If it was a big deal before, why is it not a big deal anymore? Oh, well, because I've evolved in my theology. That's why. Are you talking to me about if you used to think something was a big deal as far as your conviction goes from the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit changed his mind? Now, watch. Just once, I call it just once compromise, will destroy a lot of what you have built up. And with that said, look what Luke chapter 4 says. In the in the Amplified Version, so it's going to be on the screen. Look at verse, we, this is a popular scripture, but I want you to see it in the classic Amplified. Oh, man. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. The devil took Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the habitable world in a moment of time in the twinkling of an eye. He, he, right? Now, I want to pause and say Jesus was in need in this time. He was hungry. Have you tried fasting for 40 days with no bread and no water? I get cranky after two days. And, I mean, like after three days of fasting, the pillow looks like a steak. I'm like, I'm going to eat you up. I'm like, where is that adobo? I'm going to eat that thing. 
And he said to him, and he said to him, now this is the devil, this is the devil, this is the devil. And he said to Jesus, to you I will give all the power and authority and their glory and their magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, and grace. For it has given to be turned over to me, and I give it to whoever I will. Are you ready for this? Therefore, if you do homage and worship me just once. If you do homage and worship me. Jesus, I'm not telling you to deny your deity. I'm not telling you to deny your holiness. I'm not telling you, just, just worship me once. Just once. <laughs> this will all be yours. It will all be yours. Just once. Everybody say just once. Notice the devil did not say, give it all up to me and I'll give you everything. He says, if you compromise in just this one area, if you worship me now, I will give you, and, and, and for those of you who think, oh, God, God, listen, because Adam lost the authority at that time, the enemy, it was given power to him, okay? Jesus reclaimed it back on the cross. But if Jesus would have said yes, in the earthly sense, he would have been the most, in the earthly sense, so don't get, me, don't get it twisted here. He would have been crowned king right then and there. He would have been loved by all the people. There would have no backlash. He would have been the greatest adorable king on the earth at that time. Jesus said, I don't need that because I already know who I am and I already own everything. And so I'm not going to, to compromise. Watch this. I said it before and I'll say it again. I'm not going to compromise a lifetime or an eternity of pain for a moment of pleasure. Sometimes we, we give in for 10 minutes to something, and then we feel all convicted about it, or we say something, we compromise, we get all convicted about it, and as much as that hurts us, if we don't deal with it, watch this, completely, we will desire that thing again. Do you realize, do you realize that when David hit Goliath in the head, he really didn't kill him at that point, some people say. The Bible says that he got the rock, and, he, and we could debate if he's dead or if he was dead or not, because it didn't say he was dead, but there was a principle here. If I, if I kill someone with a gunshot, I don't have to go over there and kill him again. Right? So he got the stone and he hit Goliath in the head. And, you, and here's what people don't see. He went to Goliath and said, now I'm going to finish the job. Took out Goliath's sword. Oh, I love that. that used the enemy's weapon. And chopped Goliath's head off. Now he's dead. Now he's not stunned. We, we, we can't debate that he's stunned after <laughs> David is, is going like this with his head, right? Going to Jerusalem, back to Jerusalem. What is the purpose of that? Is that we not only have to identify the giants that cause compromise, we got to slay them. Now, look at this. The devil only asked for one moment. Say one moment. Come on, say just once. Jesus would have had, G Jesus was in need at that time. And it would have been very easy for him to say, fine. I'll just do that, and I could get everything I want. I could, I could finally eat. I could finally get set up. But he knew his kingdom was not of this world. And why I say this is because I believe that compromise is a silent killer in the church. Because the reason why it's a silent killer in the church is because before, listen to me very carefully, people walk in a full-blown back, backslidden state. They have justified compromises in their lives over and over again until it's dominated them and it's, it's, it's leading them into bondage. It, it's, uh, 
I call it just want compromises. Look at, look at this slide up. Look at the first point. Just want compromises in our lives will grow to be major strongholds of bondage when they come to maturity. I'm going to say that again. Just once compromises. What are your just once? You don't say it to me, but just think about it. What are your just once or just every now and then compromise? Come on, you're looking at me like you're going to throw something at me. What are your just once? Don't say it out loud. Think about it. We all have these just once in a while compromises that we like, Okay, well, you know what? I deserve. You know, it's like when you when you've been when you've been working out. Those of you who work out and you work out so 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 strongly to get fit and all that. Every now and then, you're like, you know what? I deserve a cheesecake. I deserve a tembleque and, 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 and some flan. All the people that don't know just know that that's some good dessert. Right? <laughs> you know what happens though? It opens up. A, a door, if we're not careful, to say, well, now, instead of working out five days a week, I work out three days a week, and I'll have, like, two or three more of this. We all have just once, and it will grow up. Here's the key, guys. You wonder how we get into bondage? I'm going to give you a freedom. We get into bondage by not recognizing the just once compromises in our lives. The just once. Come on. I'm preaching good this morning. Just once. That's all the devil wanted from Jesus. He said, hey, 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 you can keep going after this. You can keep healing the sick after this. You can keep talking to people, but just worship me once. Just once. What's an example of just once? Just once, just once of five minutes that has sexually illicit scenes on it. Just once. Just once going with my friends and, and going to the club and partying it up. Just once. I deserve it. I've been in church. I grew up in church and I want to explore. Just once I want to go to the club and see how it feels like. Those people that start doing these things, you start not seeing them anymore. Because without knowing them, they're just they're just it's, 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 they're getting drifted. Just like that video. They're just slowly getting drifted, and it's so hard for them to come back. That's why we've got to make war with our compromises because it's a landmine. It's a landmine. Look at the next slide. Look at this, guys. Look at this next slide. Compromise desensitizes us to believe. Are you getting anything this morning? All right. It desensitizes us to believe that what we used to value as a big deal in regards to certain convictions are no longer a big deal. Reread that. You know that that's true in your life if you really, I mean... Everyone that's human will realize that that's the truth at one point of our life. Compromise desensitizes us to believe that what we used to value as a big deal in regards to certain convictions are no longer a big deal. Let me give you an example. You know, 50 years ago, just 50 years ago, guys. Now, don't get mad at me when I say this, okay, because I'm just preaching. I'm not, not pointing anybody out, okay. 50 years ago, I mean, you could, the, the standards were, you couldn't, like, if, if somebody was living together, and they weren't married, they wouldn't say, living together, weren't married, and we're living together to have romantic sexual relationships, okay? So let's just make that clear. Like, you're, you're living together, but, you know, you're, you're having uh, romantic sexual relationships as if you were married, but not married. Fifty years ago, they wouldn't say that to anybody because it was a big deal back then. 
It was a big deal. Like, no, you know, we know that's not right. So let's not tell it to everybody. Nowadays, when somebody is living together romantically without being married and they're being sexually involved in that, they tell everyone, they say, oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, yeah, we're, me and Susie, we're living together and we're, and we're doing that. And he, the sad part is when it goes to the church, the church celebrates it. Like, oh, that's, that's, not, that's all, I'm so happy. You know, compromise sometimes is not these big things. Sometimes compromise is being silent on what you know is wrong in the sight of God. Oh, yeah, it is a big deal. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says avoid every appearance of evil. The Bible also says in Ephesians, give no place to the devil. Well, Pastor George, how you're judging me, you don't know if we're really falling. Let me just say this to you. Let me just say it to you. If you are not married and you're living together and you're having a, and you, and you just got together, and especially if you're young, especially if you're young and you're living together, do you think that the temptation to have sexual relationships is going to be more or less? Of course. Of course. But the church, oh, no, 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 don't say that because you're good. We, watch this, watch this. We don't want to offend them because then they'll, go, they'll leave the church. No. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, guess what, girl? I'm going there. You said, uh, uh, hold up for a second. Um, uh, do, you, do you plan on getting married with this, these people? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, about two or three years ago, then your advice would be like, don't live together. That's strong, isn't it? See, see, 50 years ago, that would not even be, nobody would grow, nobody would be like, I can't believe the pastor said that. 50 years ago, they would be like, everybody knows that. But nowadays, if I say that, it's like, you're just being religious, you're just being controlling. No, that's how compromise is so deceptive in the church. Let me tell you something about the church. The church, when we compromise, you know one of the things that affects it? It not only affects our heart for God, which I'm going to talk about at the end. It not only steers our love for God and our love for people, but it also makes our witness to people non-effective when they see Christians compromising. Because let me tell you something, when Christians compromise most of their lives and and worldly friends or worldly co-workers see that, they're not going to want to come to that Christian who's compromising because they look just like them. And, and what happens is, you know, you get to work and, and Tommy is a Christian guy and he's eating lunch by himself because he doesn't want to engage in all this other stuff and he's eating his sandwich and he's, you know, and no one talks to him and everyone thinks he's weird because he's a Christian and he's, and he's doing the right thing and he's not engaging in all this debauchery and stuff like that. One of these days when things go bad in their life, who are they going to go to? And we go to Tommy. Tommy's going to be eating his lunch, and he's like, hey, hey, Tommy, come over here for a second. Uh, I've been having problems with my, with my marriage, and um, I realize that you're the real deal. Like, I've seen your life, and you don't compromise. Let me tell you something. A lot of Christians will blame, will use the excuse, God sees my heart, as an excuse to keep compromising, right? But here's my statement to you. God does see your heart. Praise the Lord. He does. I'm thankful. God sees the heart. But the world sees our behavior. Put that screen, put that thing up, because I don't think they, I don't think, I don't think they saw it, Zach. Put that slide up. God sees our heart, but the world sees our behavior. The world's not going to say, "Well, bless God, I just see His heart." You know, I mean, He's acting just like me, but I mean, God knows His heart, right? <laughs> the world sees your behavior. They have no clue that God sees your heart. They have no clue. They have no clue. They're not going to say, well, bless God, look at that. 
The reason why the church has been so ineffective in these last couple years is because we have a lot of Christians that are compromising in their faith. And we're no longer effective in our lives because, hey, didn't you used to go to church? Or, hey, didn't you? Don't you go to? Oh, yeah. And we've labeled our Christianity at the, as far as our Christianity goes nowadays is I go to church. If that's the level of your Christianity and you don't walk with power and you don't walk in freedom, you are not going to, you're, you're going to be miserable and you're not going to change anything. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? It, it's like, like compromise has a voice. Say that with me. Compromise has a voice. Say compromise has a voice. The scary thing now is, now I want you to hear me. There's not too many things now that bother people anymore in regards to their convictions. There needs to be a Holy Ghost bother, like a a Holy Ghost bother coming inside. Nowadays, the scary thing is that nothing bothers Christians anymore in regards to compromise and the convictions they used to held up. They just doesn't care. That, to me, is scary. More scary than someone just full-blown out, uh, backsliding, the scary thing is that nothing is a big deal anymore to us. We used to be passionate about living right for God. We used to be passionate about calling people forth. In, and I want to say we, I'm saying the body of Christ. And that's why, I, I've said this to you before, but I'll tell you, when it comes to giving, the reason why I chose not to view anybody's giving is because I do not want to be manipulated in speaking like I'm speaking now based on people that give high or people that give zero. So in, in my eyes, I don't know any, I don't know who the top giver is or the lowest giver is. I just want to preach the gospel without fear of, of the biggest giver leaving. <laughs> and and, and, and so, so, remember the, the, so remember the definition of, of compromise, blending, right? There's too much blending. There's too much mixture in the church. The lines are being faded. But I want to say this very lovingly. It's our job as believers that if we see someone drifting, throw out the lifesaver. Throw out the, I'm not talking about the Star Wars. I'm talking about the, the lifesaver, right? What does that mean? Call them. God forbid that you call someone. Listen, I've texted a couple people that, or I've reached out to a couple people that in my heart I knew they were struggling, and I didn't get a text return back. Who cares? I don't, that person didn't text me. I don't know. I'm reaching out. They don't see the love. No, who cares? I'm, I'm going to reach people whether they respond or not. See, that's the problem. When we get that revelation, we will be fearless. When you get that revelation that I'm really going after your, your soul, and you may not understand it, but I want to I keep you accountable because I see you going in a dark path. Come with me. Come to church with me. Let's pray together. And if they don't respond, let them not respond, but you pray for them. Can I hear an amen? Look at, what, look, look at this. Look at, I, wrote, I wrote this down. Put this slide up. We as Christians are the billboards for the world to see the advertisement of true Christ. We're the billboards. You know what a billboard is, right? It's constantly advertising something. If we're compromising, that billboard has like four letters missing. <laughs> And you can't read it right. You can't understand it. What is it? What what, what is it? Bribe, bribe, bribe. Oh, the body of Christ. If there's letters missing on the billboard, it is an incomplete advertisement. 
We as Christians are the billboard for the true Christ. If we're compromising, what kind of advertisement, oh, come on, are we giving to the world about Jesus? The reason why people don't want anything to do with Jesus nowadays is because they're seeing the billboards, and they're all dirty, and they're messed up, and they're cranky. <laughs> they're saying, what are you doing? <laughs> Lashing back, right? The billboards are lashing back. And you know what's actually biblical? You say, well, there's a, there's, this actually biblical. In a prophetic sense, the billboards that we are for the world is actually um, prophetic, and it's actually in the Bible. Look at, look at what this you said. It is not in the word that you, you think about it, but 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2, in the NLT, hallelujah, come on, somebody. It says, I know it's not a shouting message, okay, so I'll shout every now and then by myself. The only, listen, the only letter of recommendation, look at this, look at it on your screen, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2, the only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it. Everyone can read it and recognize our good works among you. What are you, I almost said flashing, but I, that, that would sound wrong. But what are you promoting and advertising through the billboard of your life? What are you and I, me included, what are we advertising to our coworkers when we're sitting down in a cubicle or when we're going to work uh, and we're standing up all day or we're going to our, our, our jobs or our schools or our, our universities. God has been stirring me lately that we as believers in the body of Christ have become so selfish motive. When we go to a restaurant, we better get our food, and we better get our food in time. And not one time think that that waiter or waitress is having a bad day. It's like, it is 30 minutes late, and, I, and it's cold. What is wrong with you guys? And you know what? You could ask my wife. Lately, everywhere I go, I just start talking to people. It's easy. I start talking, how's your day? And then all of a sudden, they open up. I remember when we, we, we went to the cruise. When we went to the cruise, you guys don't know this. So we were walking around in the, in the Bahamas, right? So I was walking around the Bahamas, and everyone's trying to sell you everything, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I ain't going to trust nobody, right? So they're all like, hey, man, you know, just, you know, $30. I go, no, no. He goes, just for you, $15. I'm like, just for me? <laughs> you don't even know me. <laughs> Literally. My friend, just for you, just for you, $10. I'm like, man, that means it's worth $2 then, right? So they, you know, started, you know, started. What's that hustle? They try to hustle me, right? So this is just you guys, my wife. This is what I'm saying is, when you live a non-compromised life, witness will be easy. When you live a compromised life, witnessing will be hard because you feel like a hypocrite. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. So. I have, I have no conviction because I'm trying to live my life right. So I'm not withholding my witness because I don't feel like I'm a hypocrite. But when you feel like a hypocrite, you will not witness. So I'm coming to this guy, hey, man, 15 for you. And I, I just went like this. Just talk to him. You just watch my wife. You, you watch what happens. So I said, hey, hey, um, did you guys get affected here by, uh, by, the, by the, what's that thing? That, the, the hurricane? Yeah, I forgot the name. But I said the hurricane that just stayed there. And I was saying, oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. I said, uh, what happened? He's like, oh, we got this place. I'm here from another place, and we got this place. I go, you know, my church gave supplies to you guys. You did? He goes like this. 
She actually, she, I, I reverse, because she was dressed like a man. She was dressed like a man, but I knew that she was a woman, right? So I started talking to her about, hey, you know, our church gave supplies. Oh, thank you. I said, you know what? I know it's hard. She goes, yeah. She goes, I lost everything. I just showed interest in talking to her because I knew my life was right, right? And, and all of a sudden I said, now, if you guys know the streets there, they're watching their material like hawks. I go, can I pray for you? She goes, yes, please. I prayed for her. She closed her eyes. She didn't care for that moment that anybody could steal from her. And um, I prayed for her. I prayed that God will touch her. I prayed that God will reveal herself to her. And when I opened my eyes and she finished praying, her, she was weeping. She had tears in her eyes. And then, this is the funny part. This is the funny part. Like, after we hugged, she goes, thank you, thank you, much respect, right? She goes, hey, listen. She goes, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but if you go around that corner, you're going to get some really good deals. <laughs> true, true story. True story. Says, I'm not, if you go right there and then you go right, uh, you get some good deals. I go, thank you, right? But here's my point. Our witness is affected when we allow compromise to hit us. If you examine your life, if, if, if you're being a witness strong like you used to or not, I guarantee you it's, 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 it's linked to some sort of compromise habitually that you've allowed in your life, which makes you feel ashamed to tell people about Jesus. Don't tell me compromise doesn't affect your ability to witness. The Bible says if your heart condemns us, the Lord is greater than our hearts. Right? Can I hear an amen? amen. Now watch this. Watch this. This is where I'm going to. Look at this slide. Little compromises produces great destruction, watch this, in your conscience. In your conscience. Little compromises produce great destruction in your conscience that drastically hinders your desire to continue to pursue God in holiness. Uh, that's, a, that's a big mouthful, but I want you to see this. Little compromises produces great destruction in your conscience that drastically hinders your desire to continue to pursue God in holiness. Because there comes a point where you get drifted so far. See, this is where, this is where I'm going to explain why some people that you know, even, even in our church community, are, are living a full-blown full backslidden state. I say that with all love. But they're living a full-blown backslidden state. You know why? Because compromise affected their conscience so much that they felt guilty now praying to the Lord. Just as we feel ashamed of, of getting our witness to people, I guarantee you, I know. Because in areas of compromise that I've had to battle with in my life, I did not want to pray right after I compromised. I didn't want to love on people right after I compromised. I didn't want to pray in the Holy Ghost <laughs> right after I compromised. It affects your conscience. And more and more and more, you will have little and little desire to pray. And before you know it, the desires of the world will sweep you like that current very slowly. And before you even know it, you wake up one day and you haven't read the Bible in 30 days. You've missed about a couple of months in church. And now you're in a fully backslidden state. And it was so gradual. Look at Song of Solomon's or Song of Songs in the NLT. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end just a little bit, but I don't want the worship team standing up in a long time. Come on, Christina. Now watch this. This is a very famous, popular scripture, but I want everyone. How many, how many are getting something this morning? 
I want you to see, again, the little, the one, the little, the one, the little, all, all throughout the Bible, right? Now watch this. Remember where I said it's the little, the little compromise that affects your conscience? Look at this. Catch the foxes. Come on, I want you to say this with me. Those little foxes. I'm so glad that the Bible says, hey, catch those gigantic, humongous foxes that is impossible to shoot and impossible to grab and impossible to kill. They're huge. It's not the huge things that the enemy is offering you. Like, hey, I want you to quit following Christ altogether right now, and you're on fire for God right now. He, he will never offer that to you. Catch the little foxes. It's, it's the small ones. It's the, okay, do you guys, I'm going to give you a little Bible lesson. Do you guys remember, um, I said this before, but it's a good context. R- remember remember um, Joshua, he just, uh, he just finished Jericho. He just, he just defe- defeated Jericho. He went in there, and all of a sudden he went to a city called Ai, and Ai had like 12,000 members. Sorry, members. I'm taking church. 12,000 people in there, right? And, and they said, look, Joshua goes, look, don't bother people. Just send a small amount, 3,000 and everything's good, right? We'll be all good. Well, they went in there, and they got defeated by little Ai. This mighty giant of, a, of Israel got defeated. But you know why? Because not two, not three, not four, not five. One. 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 Everybody say one. One person named Achan. A-C-A-C-H-A-N. He took of the spoils that God says, don't take those things because it belongs to the treasury of the Lord. So if you see something that is like gold or silver or money, if you take it, it has to go to the treasury of the Lord. But he took it and he said, oh my God, look at this bling bling right here. No one's looking at it. I'm going to get it. And watch this. All of Israel suffered in the war. Well, Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. It's a principle. That one thing left undealt with can destroy a lot in your life. One thing that you keep alive, come on somebody. Okay, watch Samuel. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to, to Samuel in just a second. Remember Saul? And God, I'm, I'm, I'm sparing a long story, but I'm going to harp on two verses. Because compromise is not only a voice. It, don't, it doesn't only lessen your thing, but it's also deceptive. Everybody say deceptive. Deceptive means you actually believe it. But it's deceptive. Now, now, do you remember what, what Paul, sorry, so, um, what was told by Saul from Samuel? Anybody know? What was told by the prophet Samuel, to the prophet Samuel, to tell Saul what to do? What was it? Destroy, utter, actually it says utterly destroy everything of the enemy. Now watch. I'm going to get a little graphic right now, but I want to give you a principle, okay? He said, the Lord said, destroy all of the Amalekites. Now, pause and say this. The Amalekites were one of the arch enemies of God and of Israel. So if there's an arch enemy, you don't want to be kind. You don't want to say, devil, I'm just going I'm to give you a little bit of holiness because you, I beat you up a little bit too much today. I have indeed. That's okay. I'll sin a little bit later with you, okay? <laughs> no, he said, wipe out all of the enemy. Now watch. This is the graphic part. Little children, livestock. King, because I don't want any seed, I don't want any seed remaining of the enemy in your life. I want you to eradicate it all. Oh, you're not listening to me. You're looking at your phones instead of listening to me. Come on. Look at me. 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 Look. Watch this. He said, utterly destroy. Watch, I'm getting to it. All. If I say all. Now, look at the deception 
right in front of your eyes. It's like, it's like Saul is actually saying the answer, and he doesn't realize that he's saying the answer wrong. Now look, look at this. Look at this. Look at what, I'm trying to find it. Whatever that uh, scripture I gave you, First or Second Samuel, put it up there. Oh, yeah, there it is. First Samuel chapter 15, right? Now, 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 now I'm not going to read the whole thing because of time. But I will say this. Look at verse 1 through 3, and then I'm going to jump to two verses, 13 and 20, okay? Look at verse 1 through 3. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. Look at this. This is what the Lord of heaven of armies has declared. I have decided. This is the Lord. This is the Lord. I have decided, watch this, to settle the account. Glory to God. Don't you, aren't you glad that the Lord wants to settle the account on the enemy from your behalf? He's like, the enemy has ruled you too long. I'm settling an account, glory to God. What if God told you that and said, you know what? Today's the day I'm settling your account. I've had enough of you suffering, and the enemy is, is, look, is destroying you. I am dealing with the enemy now. Are you going to be excited, or, or are you going to say, keep just a little bit, Lord? No, you're going to say, kill it all, Lord, take it away. Watch, I'm going somewhere with that. I have decided to settle the accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you ready? Completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. That's not, that's not a, this is God. This is God saying this. Destroy the entire enemy, enemy that's being destructive all these years. It's time to deal with the enemy. That's what God is saying. Time to deal with the enemy. Now watch. Wait, wait, go back. Go back to that. Go back to that previous verse. Women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. I know that sounds really graphic and mean, but it wasn't. Back in the Old Testament, if they, were, if, they were, if they had a remnant or a seed remaining of evil, that person will grow up and seek to attack if you leave anything remaining of your compromise, it will grow up one day and try to attack you. It will, it will mature into, listen, five minutes of, of watching a sexually laced scene that produces lust in you will produce a bondage of pornography later. I'm preaching the, better than you're saying amen this morning. Now look, now watch this. Look at verse, so, so, so watch. He said this, right? So I want you to look at verse 7. Just go to verse 7 real quick. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the worship team come up after this, after we read this. Look at verse 7, all right? Then Saul slaughtered. I want you to see this very carefully. This is what we do with the one compromise, right? We justify because we do a lot of things good. Look, look, look. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. Keep going. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed every, everything else. Wait a minute. We already have a problem there. Wait a minute. When you read that fast, you're thinking, what did Saul do wrong? Remember what God said? He said, I want you to destroy everything. I want no remaining seeds of the enemy in your life. But come on, Lord, I just want a little bit of kissing and a little bit of hugging before I get married. That, ah, it's okay. You're not gonna, just, I just want a little bit of lust. I want a little bit of stealing. I want to lie a little bit of my taxes. I'm not going to give this week. I'll give next week. That's, that's, that's that. He, 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 he did all that but kept Agag alive, right? That's, that's, that's what that is. Look at verse 9. Come on, that's right. I'm preaching good, Victor. Saul and his men spared Agag's life. He wasn't supposed to do that, guys. He spared his life. Watch, watch the deception. I'm the deception of compromise. And kept the best of the sheep and the goats 
the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. In other words, the good stuff they kept for them, right, that appealed to them. But they destroyed only what was worthless and poor quality, right? Now, keep going, keep going. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Samuel. Now, now notice, let, let's, let's, I'm going to pause. It's just a couple things that, that Saul didn't do, but he did. Can we agree he did 95% of what the Lord told him to do? 95%. I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and refuses, how God sees compromise, by the way, and refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. I'm going to go fast. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went out to the, 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 the town of Carmel, set up a monument to himself. Wow, that's pretty, pretty humbling. Pretty humble of the guy. Set a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, look at, here's the, please, if you don't hear anything this morning, hear this. Compromise will convince you that you're not doing anything wrong at that moment. Watch. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully, <laughs> cheerfully, hey, prophet, prophet Samuel, what up, homie? I did everything you told me. I carried out the Lord's commandment. I'm, I, I'm getting ready for a blessing. Look at verse 14. Keep going. <laughs> Samuel's so gangster. He's just a gangster. What is all the bleeding of the sheep then? He's like, look, he's like, he's, he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, Saul was like, hey, prophet, I did it. I, I killed everything. I, I destroyed it. I, I did the command of the Lord. And, and the, while he's speaking, you hear, he's like, what, why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? You were supposed to destroy all, not just the good, all their, all the enemy's things. All the enemy's things in your life. Look, look, look. Now keep going, keep going, keep going. It's true. Now this is now 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 remember that that first part was the deception. And the verse 20, here's another deceptive part. But I'm gonna read it. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Samuel admitted, but they're going to be sacrificed for the Lord your God. <laughs> we have destroyed everything else. But I just want you to know that the compromise that I did. It's going to come out good because the little, the, little, the little bit of the enemy I have, we're going to use it to worship the Lord. Now look, look, look at 16. I'm almost done here. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. <laughs> Just stop, 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 stop. I have this picture like, 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 like Saul was talking and the prophet was like, stop. <laughs> that put his, no, stop, stop. <laughs> like stop talking. Right? He said, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. When did, he, when did he tell you, Saul? What did he tell you, Saul asked? Watch this. And Samuel told them, although you may think little of yourself, were you not the leader of the tribe of Israel? Another version says, when you were small in your eyes, were you not the king of all Israel? Can I pause and say, it doesn't matter if you're small in everybody else's eyes. Are you small in your eyes? Are you letting pride puff you up? Right? Look at this. And the Lord sent you on a mission. Watch this. And told you, completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. 
Why haven't you obeyed? Now, watch this, guys. I'm closing with this. This is, this is gangster here. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Well, wait, wait, wait. Didn't he obey 90% or 95%? Didn't he kill everything else? I mean, can I just be honest? This is kind of brutal. But he actually did kill the babies. He did kill the, the children and the women. He killed everything. He just kept the king alive. And he kept a couple goats and sheep alive. And that's it. Yet, what did God call that? Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? 95% obedience is still disobedience. I know that's a strong word, but until we are convinced of that, we will keep compromising. Because we will convince ourselves 95% obedience is all that it takes. I could get a little 5% for me every now and then. That is against God's ways, right? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the, si- in, in the Lord's sight? Now watch, here's the deception. Here, here he is again, ready? But I did obey the Lord. Do you see how deceptive compromise is? He actually believes that even though he admitted he did not do what the Lord told him, that because he did so much more that he's being obedient to the Lord, he goes, I did obey the Lord. I carried out the mission he gave me. What is he, insane? I, I, I carried out the mission he gave me. Uh, here's a modern, modern version. What are you talking about? I'm being disobedient. I give my tithes. What are you talking about? I come to church every Sunday with my family. Come on, somebody. I'll go over here because you're preaching better over here. Right? What do you mean? What do you mean? I give to the poor and the needy. Yeah, but how about that anger problem that you're not dealing with? How about that, that problem where you're beating somebody in your home? What, what, what about that lying problem that you have that not even your wife knows that you're stealing money? But I destroyed everything else. I did, I did everything else. I did, listen, listen, I did everything else. Why are you coming on me, the Lord? Come on, preacher. Preacher, why are you coming at me like this? I'm doing everything good. Coming to church. Yeah, but you know what? You come to church and you still have offense against your sister or your brother or your pastor or your leader. Come on, somebody. You have bitterness in your heart and you don't want to make wrong things right. All right. I would like the worship team to come up here now. How many, how many sense the Lord speaking to them this morning? I'm not talking t- this morning to unbelievers. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the church to see if you're okay all this time with doing all the right things and convincing yourself that you've carried the word of the Lord to be obedient when you know there's areas of your life. Now watch this, watch this. I'm going to say something to you. Look, I want everyone to look at me. How many believe Jesus is coming soon? Come on, with a shout, with a shout. All right. Don't get mad at me, but no, you don't. Wait, I did that on purpose. Because if you, if an angel, now, now all you theologians that, I'm not talking about the timing of everything, I'm just giving you an example. If an angel told you, watch this, in your ear, and you definitely knew Jesus is coming next Sunday at noon, is there anything in your life that you would change real quick? So wait, you just said, I'm excited for the Lord to come. But we're not excited to change our compromise. If we knew the Lord was coming, it would hasten our obedience. 
if an angel said next Sunday at 12, let me tell you, you would, you would make sure you would solve any little foxes and any little disobedience and any way that you're doing things that you know you're compromising and it's not pleasing to the Lord, you would do it quick. Then why do you say you're ready for the Lord's return? But yet, but yet if we knew, if we acted like he was really coming, how would our lives look like? Now, now I heard a preacher say this, and it, it makes sense. Um, he said, what if not, he's not coming phys- physically for the earth, right, or for, to claim his bride? What if he's coming for you? In other words, what if it's your time? Death, death could come at any moment. Many of us know people that suddenly someone died and they were young. And you had no clue. You just talked to them a couple weeks ago. Or you talked to them a couple months ago. And all of a sudden you heard that they were in an accident. Or you heard that something happened. Or, 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 or you heard that they, they had a heart attack. It doesn't mean that they were bad people. But death comes at any time. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You know, conviction is a good thing. You're not promised tomorrow. Yet, we walk around bitter. We walk around angry. But we go to church, we go to church, we walk in unforgiveness, we talk to our spouse a certain way, we gossip about our pastors and our leaders, but we love the Lord. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was coming next week, you would come to those people and say, hey, I just want you to, I, I want to get right with you, man. I, I, I want to come clean. I've, I've had unforgiveness in my heart. I ask you to forgive me. Why can't we do that now? Why can't, okay, maybe the Lord is not coming physically next Sunday, but none of us know what tomorrow will bring for our lives. Just found out today. Um, One of our our leaders, uh, is it uncle, huh? Suddenly passed away, suddenly. Last night, an uncle, this morning. They had to leave to, to, to help. Some of our leaders, their uncle passed away this morning without any warning. Once that happens, there's no chance to make it right. Settle accounts now, guys. With people that you have ought against, settle it now. Those compromises that you have, deal with it. Deal with it. Now, I want to show it real quick in five minutes, and then we're going to pray. I put scriptures down, so I'm going to just read them here on this list. It's not going to be on the screen. The price of, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you some choice servants in the Bible. So you won't think I'm just telling stories. Some choice servants in the Bible. Watch this. Look, everyone look at me. That compromise just once, and then I'm going to share the price to each one. Are you ready? Servants of the Lord in the Bible that were men and women of God that chose just once. I'm not talking about four or five times, not, not, not as a lifestyle, just once or twice. And I'm going to see, I'm going to show you the price, all right? Adam compromised God's intention, followed his wife's sin, and lost paradise. That's the consequence. Lost paradise and perfect communion with God. Adam. How many know Adam was following God? So he's not this sinner out there that didn't know anything. He walked with God, right? Samson walked with God. Killed over a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Now that is, woo. Jawbone of a donkey, he killed a thousand Philistines. 
He had one moment, not three, not four, not five, not six. One moment with Delilah. And he gave his secret that was a vow as a Nazarite. And after being harassed by the enemy for so long, he gave in, watch this, watch this, watch this, one time. I'm not saying there's no grace. Please don't confuse this message with that. I'm saying don't give an excuse for the one time. There is grace if you fall. There is grace over and over again. But don't keep doing it as if it's not doing anything in your heart and mind. The deceptive nature of compromise is that you have no clue what's going, what that was damaging inside of you. It's damaging your conscience, right? He had one moment and he told the secret of his strength to Delilah. And as a result, the enemy bore his eyes out. Have you guys read the Bible? It didn't end good with Samson because of one compromise. It bore out his eyes. That's painful. And then as his hair grew, God gave him redemption. He said, Let, strengthen me one more time. And he killed the Philistines with, with his death, right? Sarah compromised God's promise of waiting for a son and told her husband, ladies, you would never do this. I hope you would never do this. Go ahead and have sex with that woman to give us a baby. Just go ahead. Abraham's like, Abraham's like all right, if you say so. I mean, nothing wrong with me. Sarah did not wait for the promise and compromised and said, listen, even though she had a promise, you will give birth to a son. You will give birth. She's like, no, God is taking so long. You know what produces idols in your life when God takes long in your life? Let that hit you. Moses, when he went up to the mountain to pray, they were, they were waiting too long, and, and it was because they were waiting too long that they produced the calf. So when God is, is, doesn't answer in your timetable, it be, you begin to uh, produce idols in your heart. That's for another day. Sarah compromised, listen, and now she bore Ishmael who destroyed peace and was raised up as a nation that to this day is against the Israelites. Out of one compromise. Am I, am I getting through to you? Remember Luke 4. If you worship me just once. The goal of my message is to stop, find, stop justifying the one in your life. Stop, stop justifying it. Stop it. Stop it. All right, here it goes. Moses compromised God's full intended command by striking the rock in anger and frustration to get water. And as a result, he did not be able to go into the promised land. Now, wait a minute. You say, well, it was all God's plan. Do you think it was God's plan? For I, I fully believe that God wanted Moses to cross the other side after he led these children of Israel in the hot desert for 40 years. But if you look at the, the scripture closely, the people were, were complaining, but God wanted to demonstrate his love, his mercy, and his holiness to the people. And you know what? And he wanted to represent his nature. Said, represent me. Go out there. Strike the rock as a sign that I'm a good father. But he goes, you want stiff-necked people. You want water? There's water. I know that's funny, but that's what he did. He struck it. He goes, you guys are always complaining. And you know, what, you know what God says? He goes, because of that, and you misrepresented me, you are not going to the promised land. Read it. He was going to. This is Moses, guys. This is Moses. How about, how about Saul? You, you really read about Saul. He compromised enemies. How about David? David, king, one of the best kings of Israel, wrote more than half of the Psalms. The Bible says, through his kingdom will reign forever. Through his lineage came out the Son of Man, right? Son of David. He compromised God's standards of holiness. 
committed adultery one time. You know, I want to say this as I felt this from the Lord. You better be careful about emotional affairs at your jobs. You get attached to somebody and you, you and your spouse are not talking and all of a sudden, you know, this other person is paying a little bit more attention and it will cause this little emotional affair. Let me, let me tell you, that's, that, that is about to swift you into full-blown adultery. You got to knock that thing chop it off before it gets, you know, you text, oh, you're so cute, you're so bad, oh my God, my husband don't do that, or my, my, my wife don't do that, and before you know it, you're having a silent affair. Ooh. I know, I know this is a little hard, but if you don't, if you don't hear in the church, where will you hear it at? Not going to get in Dr. Phil. <laughs> you got to get it from the, from the truth of the church, word of God. Solomon compromised his conviction. I told this to you guys three weeks ago. Lusted after many women and turned his heart from the Lord. Solomon, who built the temple. The Bible says, and he did not walk right with the Lord in the end of his years. All right? Judas, one of the disciples, compromised one moment, his whole legacy, for 30 pieces of silver. I'm almost done. Peter compromised his faith in Christ and denied him. And as a result, lost his joy, went into depression, and lost his witness. Last, last example, then we're going to stand and pray. We're going to see the, the, the screen. Look at me. Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira compromised. Compromised. Everybody say compromised. About their giving and lied to the Holy Spirit. And they died. They dropped dead. By the way, this is New Testament. Right? They sold a property, and back then they were going to share everything. And they said, this is the amount. Let's keep this amount. Let's not tell anybody. Let's kind of hide it. And we'll tell everybody we made this amount. Let's stand up. Zach, put these last slides up there. Or, or Victor. Two main observations of compromise in these godly people in Scripture. Put, these slide, put that slide up, Zach. The first one is this. Read it. The first, what we saw in these stories of, of the Bible people uh, falling. In every biblical example, in every biblical example case, the effect of compromise, watch this, was to lose something valuable in God in exchange for something temporary and unfulfilling for some sinful desire. In each case of Adam, Moses, Sarah, each case was to lose something valuable in exchange for something unfulfilling. At the end of the day, your compromise is not going to fulfill you. You know why it's not going to fulfill you? Because it demands you keep going back to it. That's a clue that it's not fulfilling. Now look at the next thing that we observed. What was compromised in each of those examples, hear me now, was either God's word, a command from God, or conviction about God. Last slide. Therefore, the true price of compromise, I want everyone to see this, is a rejection of God's word, which amounts to rebellion against him and promotion of self as the final authority. That's what, that's what compromise is. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. Your students are going to lead us into worship. And in, when, we, when we're worshiping, here's what we're going to do. I want all of us to identify the one. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.